As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka. And as of September 13th, I'm Joelle Goldman. And today we talked with Andre Soriker, the CEO of Same Room. Uh, Michael, what'd you think? Well, it was a fascinating conversation, actually. Um, we covered everything from competing with Slack to um, immigration and what they have to deal with um, trying to bring people over um, they, they hire engineers from Russia, um, which is where they're from. And so it was incredibly interesting to hear uh, the process that they have to go through and the process that still lives in the U.S., which I largely wasn't aware of. Um, what did you think, Joel? Yeah, that was definitely really interesting. Um, and I loved hearing about the story of the pivot and how they kind of found a new opportunity that 
no one else is doing. And uh, they're really leveraging the fact that they don't have any competition at the moment. Uh, a lot of lessons in there. So yeah, let's get into it. Rocketship is proudly supported by Bench is an online bookkeeping service that provides you with tax-ready financial statements from professional bookkeepers. Go to bench.co forward slash rocketship to get 20% off 20% off your first six months today. Today. <laughs> Wistia is a video hosting platform built specifically for business. If you're using video as a part of your marketing strategy, you need to be able to measure its impact. Wistia is helping over 175,000 businesses do just that with premium video hosting, lead generation tools, and in-depth video analytics. For more about Wistia, visit wistia.com forward slash rocket ship. So Andre, welcome. Thank you. Tell us a bit about uh, what you're doing at Same Room. Uh, Same Room is a uh it's kind of a multi-protocol gateway service that offers uh, interoperability to different real-time uh, chat systems. So, so you can uh, bridge conversations between, uh, say, different Slack teams or Slack and HipChat or Skype and IRC or Gitter. We support about 13 different products right now. And from my understanding, you guys have kind of had a, a bit of a journey to get here. Um Tell us a bit about how you got started, um, and I think it was going through TechStars. Yeah, uh, TechStars was our uh, was our true start. Um, we we began the journey by realizing that uh, the world needed a much better communication system uh, to replace the the sort of the older the older team chat solutions that were around and not. Uh, uh, getting better. And, uh, this was very early 2013 or late 2012. Um, and we actually built, we built a product that was, it was definitely good enough to sort of immediately start g- gaining some traction. And that's how we got into TechStars. Uh, and it was called initially lit chat. Then we renamed it to Kata. Uh, we spent two years building it, uh, all the way up to December of last year. Um, and then what did the marketplace look like in 2012? It was like Yammer and HipChat, or there's some others? Uh, there's really just HipChat and Campfire um, and Skype. Skype, I think, was really the, the biggest thing. Um, HipChat was the official thing, but we actually couldn't use it because it didn't work in uh, St. Petersburg, Russia, for some reason. Not because of anything getting blocked, just connection was so unreliable that it was unusable. Google Hang or Google Talk was big, but there just wasn't something that really worked. Um, and we weren't the only ones who realized this. Obviously, there were at least 10 companies that I could name that actually built products in that exact space around that exact time. Yeah. So, um, right. So, December comes along and you have Slack. Yeah, we've had so we all of last year we really had Slack, okay. like a lot of Slack. Um, it was this really pretty thick cloud, and we for just to to sort of set the stage for every million that we had raised, they'd raised one eighty. Uh, so that that's that skew is kind of where it stops getting interesting uh, because it really doesn't matter what you're doing, mm-hmm. how good your product is. Um, and we realized that 
you know, we had, we basically had to, uh, we had to pivot the, the company. So, but during that time, um, what, like, what was it like kind of going up against, or, you know, competing in the same market as Slack at that time? Were there things that you had tried to gain market share? Yeah. And we did, you know, we did pretty well initially. I mean, it was a fair playing field. HipChat was the the monster at the time. Um, and it was easy to deal with. Mm. Um, and, but, but the thing is uh, Slack, you know, they, they were stealth for a long time. And so they actually got a bunch of these pretty hot Silicon Valley companies to use the product early on. And what ended up happening was, you know, they just took the market that we were gunning for the, the market that we were really going for. These were people just like us working at startups you know, or slightly larger companies. And and we ended up being the product for, you know, like everybody else. Well, you know, we had traction in Russia and Poland and Ukraine and India. Um, But that's not really the traction you want. (laughs) We want traction here. Right. Um, And uh, so it was really tough, really tough. Um, And those kinds of products are very sticky. Um, You know, once... Once a product gets established, it's, it takes, you know, it takes multiple like, weekly articles in New York Times <laughs> for, <Right. laughs> for, for you to, to really try to, to, to do something else. Yeah, no, that, that's true. And it's hard to pull a team of 30 or 50 people um, to, to, to trial these products easily. Um, once you, you kind of have a solution, you tend to stick with it unless there's a really major reason to change. Yeah, but but with Slack, you know, people change very quickly. Well, no problem. It was that much better than HipChat. We we did the same, but even yeah. even getting them to try Slack, um, it took about six months to to decide to try it, and then once we tried it, everyone loved it, and and yeah. we switched over. But um, I don't know if we would have tried three or four versions, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very tough. Uh, I mean, if you're one of those small vendors, you're. You know, it's a very tough game. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, where did you kind of where did you discover this the the pivot? What where where did you come up with that idea? Um, you know, we so as we were selling Cato, our version of, of Slack, we you have to believe, you know, as a as a maker of one of these products, you have to believe that the entire world is going to use it. It's going to be universally accepted. It's going to replace everything. And if you don't believe this, you then you're you know you're a heretic, essentially. Uh, so all these companies, even the smallest ones, that's what they believe that their product is going to rule the world. It's going to be a complete monopoly. And we started to doubt that it's possible. Right? We saw these teams at larger companies kind of div- organically divide across a, a set of products that really fit their needs best like skype is really good for external communication right it's just it's probably better than anything else um so it's really tough to replace skype with slack in certain companies and by tough i really mean impossible i think you know chatter is hard to replace because it's just so tied into salesforce you know (laughs) right maybe eventually but you just start seeing these things and and once we believe once we started to believe that fragmentation was actually going getting worse as opposed to going away. Um, 
you know, we, we pretty much had to pivot. We had to solve the problem of fragmentation. And, and luckily at the same time, we, we realized that we simply didn't have the time and money to, you know, get catered to the point where it, it, it could, you know, it could, it could, it could stand on its own. Right. Right. So, um, how long did it take you to kind of build a new, um, application? You know, you, you have Cato running, you have the team kind of doing both. I assume you have to do some support. How long did it take you to get something else to market? So, uh, six weeks, six. Wow. Yeah. Cato also took six weeks. We, (laughs) we try to build very fast uh, (laughs) to see if it would stick. Um, so March 1st was when we very quietly made same room available. Um, then we went to launch the launch conference conference. Um, it's kind of where we talked to some people about it, but I think our first paying customer was, uh, March 6th for same room. Wow. And were you working with your existing customer base on this with Cato? Uh, yeah. Like, did you sell it to that existing Cato base? No, uh, no, no. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, we, we did eventually announce, uh, same room to all of the Cato users, but that was much, much, much later. We stopped working on Cato, just cold turkey, in in January, um, and it kept running. It's still running, actually. <laughs> so, was it difficult to kind of get your team on board with the change and keep everyone really motivated to tackle a new problem? Um, or well, did, we, did we you face any like pushback from the team? Uh, we we were pretty big. We we're maybe eighteen people, which is you know relatively big. Big, and then we went down to. Eight eight, uh, when we made this change. Uh, so, you know, most of the people didn't have a choice, um, but the rest of the team, you know, they, yeah, it, it wasn't, we just said, this is what we do now. And, uh, my co-founder, Peter, he, he basically built the structure behind same room of pretty quickly. And, uh, he brought it to a point where the rest of the team could just start adding services, integrations, you know, hip chat, IRC, Skype, Hangouts. Uh, these things are essentially just horizontal additions to an existing infrastructure. So that infrastructure was, once we put that together, the team knew what to do. Um, the biggest problem really was trying to understand how to get users, how to get customers. So who... Like, is this a distributed team problem or is this a team size problem? How do you guys identify your customers? Um, well, we initially thought that the no-brainer uh, kind of target was any any company that uh, is an agency of some sort. So it's a, a consultancy that just has outside clients. Could be a, a development shop, could be a, a, an ad agency, any really marketing agency. Um, for very obvious reasons, you know, they, they probably are using Slack internally and they need to talk to all these other people. Um, and there just aren't great options other than email and Skype. And this is where you start immediately getting into this fragmentation. Um, so we sent about 9,000 cold emails to a very, very well curated kind of emails to all sorts of agencies and Got zero money out of those, actually. <laughs> 9,000. 9,000. Zero dollars. Wow. Um, wow. Two signups. Okay. Um, so it became clear to us that, uh, oh, at the same time, we started writing blog posts and just 
publishing these integrations online. And uh, 99% of our signups come just from searching for this stuff on Google. Uh, and their agencies, their their development shops. So it's that same audience. We just um, it's like selling migraine medicine to people who don't yet have a migraine is actually mm. impossible. <laughs> right. But once they do have a migraine, it's pretty easy. Um, so you guys doubled down on an SEO channel, and did you do extra work to to kind of move up in those rankings once you saw that that worked? Uh, so the the amazing thing is we don't have a a competitor yet at uh-huh. all. So it's kind of this Goldilocks area for us where it's a very complicated technology. So it's really not that easy to enter the space. Um, and there's no one fighting for the keywords on Google. So every single article that we have is number one. <laughs> wow. Um, immediately. The next day will be number one. And okay. that's valuable. That's, that's really the only way it's working right now. Wow, that's that's cool. So, um, is that do you have an you you have the articles as an inbound strategy? Did you give up on the sales strategy then? Yeah, it's just a waste of time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's interesting. Um, Andre, when we were talking earlier, um, you mentioned something that thought was interesting, and we hadn't talked a bit about yet on the show, which is um, hiring immigrants to come and work here, and some of the challenges you faced, and why you're passionate about that. Sure. Yeah. Can you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background in that and some of the things that you've been working to do on that front? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think it, it's, it's good to say that both my co-founder and I, we, we are immigrants. Uh, he's from Western Ukraine. I'm from Siberia. Uh, so middle of Russia. And uh, I, I came to San Francisco when I was 13. Uh, this is, you know, just, just before high school. He graduated uh, from college with a master's degree in computer science and moved to the U.S., um, also to San Francisco in 2000. Um, and then a couple of years later, we met. Um, so, uh, so, so basically, we speak Russian. It makes very easy. It's, easy, it's relatively easy for us to hire uh, Russian-speaking engineers, uh, which is an awesome resource of like engineering talent. Problem is they live in Russia or Ukraine, and um, we we clearly see this problem where um, no, you know nobody really wants to live in Russia, but then there just isn't that much choice. Uh, bringing people here is is uh, is a lottery, right? So which which you probably lose based mm-hmm. on you know just just kind of the numbers of people who are trying to get here. Uh, so that's been a very interesting experience for us. Um, it's also interesting that, you know, we have a distributed team, which is actually very, a very good team and a very kind of a motivated team, but we haven't met uh, some of our employees in person ever. Um, our longest uh, serving engineer, we, we had worked with him at a previous company, which is where we found him. And we met him after three years of <laughs> working with him very, very closely. Uh, now he lives in, um, in Fairfield, California. Um, did you bring him over? We brought him over. Um, so we lost the H1B lottery twice. Um, then we brought him over on a trainee visa, which is a, it's a J one visa. It's 18 months. And now he, you know, he'll have to go back home in, uh, 
in March. So take me through, because I, I know very little, what is the H-1B visa? So H-1B is the, uh, it's basically the official way to bring uh, you know, foreign professionals to work for you in the United States. And there's a quota. And I think the quota is about 80,000 people, that 80,000 visas that are available. I'm actually not an expert. Uh, and I think 20,000 of those are reserved for uh, academia okay. uh, or something like that. And then it's, just, it's like 60,000 for, you know, uh, VC-funded companies and such and, and the Googles of the world. Okay. And uh, this year, I think there were maybe 400,000 applicants Wow. Or three sixty something, pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty kind of, uh, uh, you know, not great odds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's a so, lottery system. Is that sorry, it's just a, Yeah, lottery. Uh, so it's completely random. That's what they say. Okay. Um, yeah, I hear that Facebook never uh, loses, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure that it's <laughs> like that random. <laughs> so what are the um, advantages for you um, to continue to hire um, employees from Russia or elsewhere um, if if your goal is to um, try and bring them over, but the odds of that are very low? Well, uh, we only bring them over if, if they want to, or we tell them that we'll try, mm-hmm. and not right away. Um, the, the, goal, the, the, the reason that it's great is because it's multi, many, many times cheaper to employ these people. Um, so it, you can hire four very good engineers for the price of, I don't know, one mercenary engineer in the Bay Area. Uh, mercenary means they'll leave in 18 months to a mm. company mm. that's going to pay them 30% more money. And that's really what we're seeing. This is why the, the insanity is going on. <laughs> so yeah. so bad. Uh, and we're not, we just don't want to play that game, um, at all. So, so the motivation is very, very strong. Uh, also a distributed, a distributed, you know, position is actually a great perk for a lot of people, family, people, people with kids, you know, they don't, they don't need to go to the office to socialize, they just socialize, they just need to, uh, avoid, you know, com- commuting an hour and a half each day so that they can see their kids more. So that's a huge incentive for a lot of our uh, employees to just, you know, actually keep working with us because uh, it's a very nice work environment. Uh, you know, also, outside of the Silicon Valley, it's not that easy to find a good job working on an interesting problem, not work, not working at a services company, not working for an agency. So, um you know, there, we have an advantage in that, in this case, um, we, we can basically hire the best people, uh, in Russia or anywhere else. Um, and it just gets a little fuzzy in the Bay area. It's just too, too, too much activity here. So how do you go about, um, hiring? Uh, it's mostly, uh, people who want to work with us. <laughs> They'll just uh, send us an email and then we have a very simple, interview process. And this is engineers hiring for other position is much more difficult. Right. Um, yeah. So, so uh, most, our biggest success has been essentially just, uh, people reaching out to us, uh, and also word of mouth. Um, 
it's, it's usually starts with finding one great person and then they know people and then it kind of starts mm-hmm. from there. And then, you know, once people start hearing about you, they'll, they'll start emailing and asking if there are positions available. Interesting. Yeah, very cool. So, um, so I'm curious, you guys have this distributed team, you have a product that integrates all of these services. What are you guys using internally to communicate? Um, we, we got off of Cato in, um, in August. So I think early August and we, um, so we chose Fleep, Fleep.io, uh, which is a very, it's a small startup in Estonia. Um, we chose them because they're, they're one of maybe three small players left in the space. And we want to support, you know, we want fragmentation. We want to support. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> someone else. Um, yeah, so th- it's a very interesting product. And we actually like a lot of it. Uh, it's, they started around the same time as Slack and Cato. And they've just been, you know, plowing <laughs> along. <laughs> uh, um, Fleep has an amazing integration with email. Uh, it's basically built by Skype engineers. So a lot of the Skype uh, ideas are brought to Fleet and, and done much, much better. And this is only text, they're, they're nothing to do with video or audio. Okay. Um, but uh, I'll tell you, <laughs> we just built a really, really cool integration between Intercom and, and Slack. So it's a bi-directional integration that lets you reply to customer um, you know, questions and re- requests from Slack. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started using Slack for this. Uh, so now we kind of use Fleep and Slack. Um, yeah, it's, and, and really we have accounts everywhere else as well. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, but, but you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, so, so right now we, we've been for the first time, I think I've been using Slack quite a bit for this, just for customer support. We have, we probably do maybe, I don't know, 20, 30 com- conversations per day. So, so it's, there, there is a load there. So okay. Yeah. Very cool. And what's, what's your opinion of Slack now that you guys have pivoted? Well, it's a, you know, it's a platform, which, which is great because, um, you know, selling Slack is really hard to companies. We don't have to do this anymore. Mm. Um, so we tried doing that. It's, it's almost impossible. They did the work for us. Um, I think it's it's missing a bunch of the stuff that we built uh, into Cato, which is too bad. Uh, I wish I wish that you know the the goodness of Cato was available, but it's not, <laughs> not yet. And uh, um, yeah, but otherwise, you know, it's a great API, uh, great. It's it's pretty stable. Uh, they have lots of money; they'll make it better. Yeah. Um, everyone's using it, which is easy. So we can finally charge Slack users money. That's that's fantastic. Right. We even charge free Slack users money. Which is, really? Well, yeah, because people don't pay for Slack, but they pay for same room. So, oh, <laughs> very nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. This has been great. Um, tell us where can we keep up with you and Same Room online? Uh, well, we have a blog, of course, Same Room IO slash blog, um, and uh, the our Twitter. It's same room HQ on Twitter. It's not very noisy, to the point. <laughs> very nice. <laughs> well, thank you so much. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks, Andre. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And be sure to check out our app discount section where we have discounts on products that we use every day, like Woo Themes, Wistia, Treehouse. Go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials and get your discounts today. So